Hello and welcome. I'm Christina Irvin, leader of Team Clarity. If you had told me I would be setting more healthy boundaries with my closest loved ones, not doing something out of guilt, and comfortable asking for the sale or setting prices equal to my worth in my business after such a short time in this course, I certainly would have told you no way. However, I'm doing all of those things and much, much more unapologetically these days. While you're grabbing a pen and piece of paper, consider this. Just how many people are actually paid to learn? Yes, you heard me correctly. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. And by the time I'm done with this course, I will have earned more than what I invested in this life-changing journey. You can always listen to our prior shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. And to get one reminder of our next show, click on the follow button at the top of the page. Now, it's time to dive in and let's get to work. Let's meet the rest of the team. Hi, this is Marcia Sertino and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Hello, this is Chelsea Wells from the mountains of Tennessee. Have a blessed day. Hello and welcome from the gorgeous state of Wisconsin. This is Patty Anderson. And now, time for class. Well, so far we've been talking with a more conscious awareness of contracts, right? Yes. Right. I don't know if you all have ever encountered Psych 101. Did you ever take a Psych 101 class as you were doing your undergraduate? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Do you recall when you were in class and you started reading about this pathology and this abnormality and this diagnosis, at any point did that cause a slippery slope into, oh, my God, that's me? Yep. <laughs> Not only did I say, oh, my God, that's me, I'm like, gee, that's my whole family. <laughs> this is in the DNA. <laughs> It's because that class was making something more apparent. My point being is, in the Psych 101 class, because I'm becoming more mindful of possible pathologies, it's easy for me to apply that pathology to me in a very uneducated, ego-fed desire to understand the content. The fact that we live under literally thousands of contracts every day everything from stop signs to turning on a light switch, doesn't mean we have to be burdened by the contracts, is my point. Yeah. Because it can be. I can become really harsh. If I set a contract with myself and I don't meet that contract, it would be very easy for my ego to crank up in full speed with the chaos committee going, see, you screwed up. Look at that. You are worthless. You can't even keep your own word with yourself. Why are you even bothering? When that happens, you switched from explorer to analyzer. I'd like to hear from each of you how more conscious you are of how contracts balances your explorer with your analyzer. At work, when a veteran comes to me and says, hey, I need you to help me with this, I have a book and I keep a running list on what I need to do, and as I do it, I mark it out. And in doing so, I have to prioritize everything that needs to be done because there are days where I've got a full page or two of things that I need to accomplish that day or would want to. And sometimes there's not enough time of the day to get everything done. <laughs> mm -hmm. So instead of beating myself up, I make sure I do the high-priority things 
were definite for that day and then come in the next morning and start again. I try not to analyze myself so much that prioritizing helps with that. And when you are struck with conflict, Chelsea, when, when those things that you really wanted to get done can't because of the fact that you're only one person in there, it's only so many hours in the day, do you from time to time turn to your explorer to get creative? I would say yes. Okay. There are times that I like, maybe stay a little later at work to get something completed, especially working with hospice. Mm. Most of the work with hospice is time-driven, for sure. So not only are you dealing with a person's rapidly approaching end of life, but you're balancing that with, I can't imagine how many, probably thousands of rules and regulations you've got to uphold. Now, I'm the kind of social worker that I like to think outside the box. I call it creative social work. (laughs) (laughs) There are just times that you've got to be really creative to do what needs to be done, what you know needs to be done for that family and that patient. Mm-hmm. Good examples. I find that balance in certain situations is easier than balance in other situations, probably for myself. So then, Christina, in situations where balance is easier, would you say that a less structured performance-based contract is appropriate, meaning there's some give and take, there's some wiggle room and in those situations where balance is more difficult to achieve, would a more detailed performance-based contract provide the structure you need to have better balance? Yeah, I think so. Although, that would probably take some more personal growth on my part, because I have a very unspoken thing, but I don't like too much rigidity in the contract. <laughs> And I think it's just because I spent so, so many years as a kid and as a young adult forcing myself to essentially meet the contract or the expectations of so many others that now at this point in my life, I'm like, to heck with that. I don't like that feeling. I don't want that feeling. When I think of my ideal life, when I have my vision of what my ideal day is like, that feeling is nowhere in the equation. So I tend to buck it, I think. This is an important statement and one that I'm not aware of what your timeline looks like from Chapter 4, but if there comes a time where you have time, can I offer a suggestion? Sure. On your timeline, somehow, in whatever way feels appropriate to you, map out times of what you would consider to be excessive structure or excessive competitiveness with a lack of structure, with, for all practical words, screw it. (laughs) And notice how your pendulum swings. The sweet spot is in the middle. I just have never been in the middle. (laughs) Bingo. (laughs) Right now in my life is the most in the middle I've ever been. Is it fair to say that the middle implies balance? Yeah. Yes, but there's discomfort in that because there's an unknowing. Because balance hasn't been part of your equation for so long. Yeah. Ah. See how nasty this sometimes feeds in on itself? (laughs) (laughs) We want it, but when we get it, we go, what the hell is that? (laughs) 
care. What is it? And I think where we are in this course, there's moments where it speaks to something. And quite honestly, I'm very happy with not knowing in this moment what the heck. <laughs> and I don't want to speak to it, and I don't want to do it. I don't want to. I don't want to do anything that doesn't that I don't feel the notion in this moment to do. And I'm happy with that thought. I want to feel this more often, and I'm enjoying getting to know it. Good. 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 It's called giving ourselves permission to just be. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea, from a professional social worker standpoint, do you want to speak to the power of just being? There's so much positive in just being. For me, working with hospice, there's so many just being moments that you're, you know, I may be standing by the bedside holding the veteran's hand. I might be standing by the bedside holding on to the veteran's wife or family. And in those moments, I'm just being. I'm being what they need, and I'm just being. And it is absolutely phenomenal to know that I can be there for someone like that. And all I have to do is stand there and be. And anything more and anything less would block the process, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the families and the veterans don't want me coming in and psychoanalyzing what's going on. Here's what's going to happen. They just need me to be there for their comfort and support. And that is an excellent place to be for people. Not intending to put words in Chelsea's mouth. Chelsea, would you say in that moment where you're just being, you're the closest to the divine energy you can be? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Can you share how that feels? It's almost a surreal feeling to be standing next to someone's bedside. I've been by the bedside of important people in my family that have died, or all of them, and to hold their hand while they breathe their last breath and their spirit leaves their body, that is the most awareness and closeness to my divine that I could ever be. That for me, that is a true connection. And no matter how bad it hurts and how much pain it causes, to know that you were there with that person as their spirit left their body is a phenomenal feeling. And as hard as it is, I I wouldn't trade it for any of the times I've been there. Because I knew that's where I was supposed to be. And once again, My intention is not necessarily to put words in your mouth, Chelsea, but just to clarify and bring out a point related to our journey in Chapter 8. When you're in that being zone and you're channeling that divine energy, Chelsea, do you sense you're fulfilling a sacred contract? Yes, I do. I was with my my grandmother, who I'm so much like. I was with my stepbrother's daughter, who was 27 years old, died with a very rare cancer. And I was with my mother. And I was with my stepfather when he died. You know, a lot of my family, if they get real sick, they don't want me to come visit. (laughs) 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 They say it's the last call. (laughs) Oh, my God, the angel of death is coming to our door. Shut the brakes. (laughs) (laughs) I came to embrace it. It was one of my missions in this life. 
was to be of comfort and be there with people in my family and people I barely knew when they died. The death of my mother almost drove me insane, but I still feel the call to be with people as they're dying. It's a very sacred place to be. Few people are comfortable with what I call bridge walkers. You're bridging a person through the process of this reality to the next, yeah? Yes. And when you feel their spirit leave their body, it's like it moves through you. Mm-hmm. There are hardly any words for how special that is. Mm-hmm. In a similar vein, Marsha, your blog posts and your thoughts that you shared throughout the various classes is you're getting in touch more with your divine, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Marsha, as you think of the number of bridges that you have walked, in this particular notion of contracts, since I've known you, it seems like you've formed a contract with yourself. That is, is it fair to say for the first time in your life feels right? Oh, definitely. Yes. It feels so right. I was so out of balance for so long that I didn't even know what it was to be in balance. And once I started feeling balanced and understanding what worth is and how balance includes honoring my worth as well as the worth of others, the whole idea I had of having to give myself away for nothing changed completely. I saw a whole different perspective of what worth is. But I'm giving you a virtual fifth bump on that one. Yeah. Thank you. Which brings us back to our beginning days of our journey. Do you recall exercise two, personal contract? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Flashing back to when you signed your personal contract, and I have pictures of all of your personal contracts, thanks to Christina. Thank you for rallying the team way back when to send me a snapshot of your personal contracts. This is how this filters into our journey. Flash back to what it was like signing that contract. A lot of anxiety. What the hell have you done? 52 weeks? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. And let me, and let me go ahead and put a little bit more on it. It, really, it was, what the hell have you done? 52 weeks of actually reading, not an audio book? Are you crazy? <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, man, am I going to be ready for this? Am I crazy? <laughs> Yep. It was scary. It was very scary. That's what you thought. Oh, my God, 52 weeks, really? But it's been wonderful. How would your journey be different if exercise two didn't exist? I don't think it would have been different for me in that I made the verbal agreement to the team. Okay. But learning the lesson about control and choice earlier in the course would have definitely made the first part of the course a lot less stressful or uncomfortable for me personally. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular example? At the beginning, I, feel, I just felt like I had a responsibility to rally the team to action and, and taking the action and doing the exercises and having the communication and I just felt a responsibility for everybody to have great level of success with the class and it was based off of me being controlling and judging because literally who am I to judge what someone's success level is or not? 
But when I released all that, it was just like, huh, I just got to worry about me. I'm going to facilitate as I need to. I provide the support as I need to. But literally, it's not my responsibility to ensure that everybody gets everything out of the course that they can get. Wow, that's huge. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Why do I keep getting this old competitor of Christina going, bullshit, no, 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 get back in here, come on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Because a competitor is a strong trait, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I think we need to add that to our chaos committee. I mean, chaos I want to thank, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm going to thank Christina for evolving my chaos committee to another C word, the competitor. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Other thoughts about that moment where you realized you're signing a contract with yourself. This isn't a contract with me. This isn't a contract with Team Clarity. This is a contract by and for yourself. Marsha, I'm curious, though, because it felt like for the longest time, when I think about all of our feedback, you have seemed to have the quickest just given into the whole notion of letting the controller go and all that other stuff. I wonder for you, I'm just curious, when, when you think about it being a personal contract to yourself, was that your moment of grabbing sort of your liberation? I believe so. And as far as the controller, honestly, Christina, if you had been in my situation, you would see how that controller would have to let go. Seriously. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have control over anything, really, except for mm-hmm. what I can do to help myself. That's it. Mm-hmm. I took advantage of whatever I could to help myself. That you just let go of the outcome because I don't have control over what anybody else on my team does, and they're going to do what they're going to do. That's interesting. So you didn't have that early feeling that I had where you felt responsibility for everybody because you knew what everybody could get out of it, and you never felt that ability. I can't say that I didn't feel that at first. At first I did. And then I said, well, you know what? I send the message out to Whoever sees it, sees it. If, they, if they're not paying attention, they're not paying attention. And that's, I let it go because it's their growth, whether they are going to get the message or not. Considering performance-based contracts with myself and competition, so uh, now you done made me focus in on that. <laughs> I, for myself, literally, I do things that I know need to change for my growth that for for whatever reason I have not kept my word to myself on those things, then I just realized in the moment I turn it into a competition with myself. Do you do that to push yourself? Yeah, because that, I don't know, I guess that was something that was instilled in me early in life and that's my fallback. I find that feeling the deepest feeling that doesn't feel good, that feels, I, I have to admit, sometimes there may be shame, but whatever that feeling is that doesn't feel good, I, I really get in touch with that feeling, and I establish that feeling as my finish line, if you will, the marker of the competition. And what do I have to do 
opposite to make sure that I don't feel this way. And I do those things until that becomes my new anchor, the, the good feeling becomes my new anchor. hope that makes sense what I'm saying. Christina, are you saying that you're now getting in touch with the fact that your challenge, your competitor inside you, makes you swing your pendulum so far to one side and so far to the other that you're now getting in touch with the false illusion of evolution such that the competitor gives you energy to feel righteous about whatever decision you want to make, and that becomes your new norm. Is exactly. that accurate? It, yes, exactly. So while you're feeling righteous, which you're certainly welcome to feel, it may be advancing that unknown pain of the Uhari window to a point to where you're completely blind to other things. Yeah? Yeah. Excellent. Tapping into our prior conversation, the more I allow the divine to be with me, the more I become aware that I am required and I love and I cherish and I adore and I embrace living a life on the fine edge between flow, constant flow, constant change, and some bit of a plan, a, a hint of a plan, a hint of a goal, a hint of an objective. And I know that this plan or this objective is still my plan or my objective when the flow feeds it naturally. When people, places, resources, stuff just happens to support the plan on very minimal effort. I have no need to either find a stone, let alone start rolling a stone up the hill. The second I sense like, Jesus, I'm rolling this stone. There's a stone that just happened. Now I've got to start rolling this damn stone up the hill. That's my moment where I have to change my contract. I say to myself, okay, contract, something changed here. I don't know quite what, but I'm not going to be rolling no damn stones up no damn hill. <laughs> so if this, is, if this contract is still in a force, clean it up. <laughs> Marsha, one of the learning curves you've had in Chapter 7 and that you're beginning to see in Chapter 8 with your own team it would have been well within your contractual rights to say, look, I'm not meeting our contract. I'm done. I quit, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, that's what's in our written contract. If you are unable to meet your contractual requirements, we stop until right. you can meet your requirements, right? Right. Something in you said, keep going. Oh, Amend the contract. <laughs> what happened? Something in me just said, I did not start this and sign my own contract in my book to just give it all up. I don't care what happens because I am going to trust that everything's going to work out because everything will work out according to the time that it's supposed to work out for me. I've learned to just let the divine take over and just carry me at so many times. And it's so weird because even when I was missing that initial payment from two people, I don't even barely talk to my brother, but my brother just came home one day and handed me $200 to cover, the, cover that missing portion. And then 
I had another person just all of a sudden back out of the class, and she was only going to have to pay half of what everybody else was paying. But I have angels or something watching over me because my brother came home with a check to replace that payment, that, that person that backed out. The exact amount. I mean, if that isn't the universe just kind of stepping in and saying, hey, don't worry about it. Things are covered and just keep going. And that's the signs I'm getting to trust. Trust in me and my decisions. That was my decision to keep going. With that notion in mind, Marsha, do you sense you could have achieved that level of trust with the imbalance that you started out with at the beginning of our journey? Oh, no. No, I would have been worrying. I would have been just back to square one before I started paying me one more. I would have been so out of balance because I had been out of balance for years. you got to understand that was for years. And now, all of a sudden, I come into this class and I'm starting to understand balance and worth and how if I honor my own worth and honor the worth of other people, something happens. The universe just kind of opens it up for you and says, okay, I hear you. You're going to get what you want. <laughs> I was telling someone the other day that this course, the, the lesson of balance and giving and receiving with myself ushered in a whole nother level of love, appreciation, and worth that I felt for myself and how I don't have to force myself to give that to the next person or to even consider that because sometimes things just happen that you don't consider. I didn't, I wasn't intended to devalue someone or devalue what they gave me or anything. I just wasn't even conscious enough to be aware that I did do it. But I'm finding that the more I grow, that I grow in my awareness with myself, I'm able to have that for others. So when it comes to the feelings of, feeling less than or making someone else feel less than or anything like that. Like those used to be things that I worried about. Consciously, I would overcompensate so that someone wouldn't feel like I thought less of them or something like that. It all started with the notion of doubt, guilt, shame, and worry, just throwing everything out of balance. And now it seems the more aware and conscious that I am of myself, the ratio just just seems to naturally adjust. So there's now doubt, guilt, shame, and worry has less effect in my life, less present. So am I hearing you correctly that you're allowing yourself to just be more often? Yes. I found it interesting that I don't have to be as consciously focused on the doubt, guilt, shame, and worry because it just seems like it just doesn't have, it has less and less place in my life as I grow. That growth, Christina, is something I want to touch on before we conclude our class today on all days. As of this class, the world is coping with yet another heightened tragedy. It seems since we've started our journey together, there have been so many tragedies, campus shootings, other bizarre events. But in Paris today, the country of France and along with the rest of the world is trying once again to regain a sense of balance when a few select individuals decided to impress upon the world what they deemed to be their ideal balance. My point, 
One of the byproducts of pay me what I'm worth for me is the ability to remain more grounded, more centered, thus more observant in more chaotic times. I'd like to hear from each of you. What value do you place on being grounded, centered, and more observant in life? It's important to me to stay grounded, centered. I will admit there's still those times that I just get totally bent out of shape and stressed out and there's too much to do. I find that Pay Me What I'm Worth has given me the tool to come back to center a lot quicker. You can become more grounded more quickly. Yes. Okay. I would echo what Chelsea says as well as having a larger well of confidence that to pull from in those moments where I may not be sure, but I, but I can quickly go dip in my well of confidence. Perfect. That's how I feel, too. Being grounded is important to me. I think I have had that missing in, in my life for too many years, and so that is definitely important for me to be grounded and pay me what I'm worth has actually helped me with that big time been huge. Now, I'm abundantly aware of the fact that what I'm about to talk about may seem like I'm exploiting you. It may feel uncomfortable. It certainly, people could say, Sol, you're exploiting the Paris tragedy in some form by talking about this. Much like a leader, a president, a priest, a rabbi, a community leader, someone, a father, a mother, a leader would sit down with a country, a family, a congregation in times like this, much like our own president has already done. They acknowledge that something horrific has happened, and they acknowledge that we stand as a united front about resolving the issue. If that is considered exploiting, then I'm about to exploit this process. One of the reasons why I'm so passionate about paying me what I'm worth and getting 10,000 people certified to teach this course before the end of 2016 is because I want 10,000 people getting paid a good salary to teach people how to become more balanced. So that in these situations like Paris, in these situations like jet planes blowing up because of terrorist bombs, in these situations when horrific acts happen, and the media exploits the crap out of it. The media, news, TV, radio, internet, all over the place. Oh my God, the world's coming to an end, right? Is that a fair global assessment yeah. regarding yeah. the media? Yeah. I can remember on the day of 9-11, I was in Los Angeles. I was supposed to do a keynote address. I can remember literally unable to move as I was watching the TV. I was glued to I could not move. The event, of course, was canceled, and I was due to be in San Diego, and so I was driving from L.A. down to San Diego. I was glued to the radio, glued. I mean, I don't know how I drove from L.A. to San Diego without getting in an accident because I was glued to the radio going point by point by point of all the horrific things that were happening. And I noticed that the traffic seemed unusually friendlier. I noticed other people, I, I looked at them and I saw them equally transfixed 
to what they were listening to. Everybody was allowing everybody plenty of space on the freeway. Now, I don't know if you've ever traveled the 15 or the, or the 5, but more often than not, it's bumper to bumper and people tailgating. <laughs> My point, now more than ever, the more I can be grounded, centered, observant, the more I can be a point of calm in a storm, whether that storm is someone breaking up in their life, whether that storm is someone being evicted from their home because they don't have any money, whether that storm is someone losing someone from a death, whatever the storms might be, tornadoes, tsunamis, bombings, I seek to be a point where people can come to and just know that they can experience peace. Done with my lecture. <laughs> Done with my soapbox. My point being is that's one of the bigger points of why I do what I do. And I feel confident in each of you that as you ripen into this process, it thrills me to no end, regardless of what happens, that you all are slowly stepping into that notion of being another island of peace. Absolutely. I feel like that was completely exhibited this week for myself. <laughs> Heavy stuff, I know. How does that saying go? The Lord does not give us more than we can handle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to have a talk about that one often. So in our next adventure into performance-based contracts, this upcoming week, I invite you to ponder social contracts. What social contracts to you are sacred? Meaning, what social contracts, contracts you have either with other people, contracts you have with organizations, companies, what contracts do you have in your life that you are absolutely secure with, you're at peace with? And I'd like to hear in our next class how that security, how that sense of peace is shaping you. Deal? Deal. Deal. Yeah. All right. It's that magical aha moment. <laughs> aha moment as we were discussing in this class today was just that sense of peace that feels so good. There's just that sense of peace of being that feels wonderful. Yum. <laughs> I just had an aha moment a few minutes ago. We've talked about my childhood and my entire life. There's been a big focus on achievement, achievement, achievement. And I've never been in a place where wherever I was, I couldn't, as you say, so savor where I was because I was always only looking at where I could be or where I should be. My aha is literally how freaking awesome it is that I am just cool with being where I am. I think I was falsely given the notion as a child that being cool with where I was meant I was satisfied and complacent and wouldn't continue to strive for more or to go higher or feel more depth. And, in fact, that's not at all the case, giving myself the space to actually reach those levels now. Christina, what I just heard you say is you're getting in touch 
with the fact that savoring something seasons your awareness of potential. True? Yes. All right. One of the things that really stands out for me is that it's okay to savor, that it's okay to slow down, and that you absolutely need to slow down. I absolutely need to slow down to savor moments in my life. Even though Pay Me What I'm Worth has really drug out demons from my, my soul, it was time for that to happen. And when I think about being closer to the divine or my divine calling, Pay Me What I'm Worth is definitely a step to help me get there. I'm chuckling because, Chelsea, I can now add to the list. Certified Pay Me What I'm Worth teachers are now certified exorcists. (laughs) Hey, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. (laughs) I tell chaplains at work I might need an exorcism that day, and he'll say, I don't have enough time for that one. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, as always, if ever you doubt that I am in awe of you, I ask you now officially to erase that doubt because I am in awe of each of you. Great call. Thank you. I think it is did and done. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Any personal ahas of your own? As one of many Pay Me What I'm Worth team captains, It's my role to help you get serious about removing blocks to your success as well as live a more stress-free, confident life. Wonder if this course is for you? If you are a serious action taker committed to playing big in life and being your best you, I look forward to seeing you in my next class. Call me at area code 423-737-5809. Again, that's 423-737-5809 to talk about your next steps. Before you go, let's continue this discussion in the comment box below. You can always help other people have breakthrough moments when you share this show across your social media. I look forward to speaking with you. You're listening to Christina Irvin, one of the many team captains for Pay Radio. Definitely radio worth listening to. Have a great day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.